You're listening to A Week in Wireless by Telecoms.com, the podcast dedicated to everything and anything going on in the telecoms biz. On today's A Week in Wireless, we put the comms in telecoms. Scott gets political with an EU rant, whilst New Yorkers can't stop watching porn on the streets. Hmm. All that and more on today's A Week in Wireless. Do you want to join the argument? Tweet us at telecoms. Hello and welcome to A Week in Wireless, the podcast brought to you by telecoms.com. As always, my name is Tim Skinner and joining me today is Scott Bicheno. Hello. And we have two guests for your delectation today, listeners. So please welcome Richard Fogg from CC Group. Hello. And Paul Nolan from CC Group. Good morning. And together they are CC Group. Right. Yeah, it's not just a coincidence. No, no, a very happy one, actually, yes. <laughs> there are um, a couple more of us as well, it's worth noting, but they won't fit in this. That's true, otherwise you wouldn't really be a group, would you? No, no, although how many, how many is in a group? <laughs> <laughs> more than two, mate. <laughs> uh, so, gents, thanks very much for joining us today. Uh, stepping into the studio um, amid Jamie's continued absence from the, uh, from the podcast yeah. studio. We still don't know where he is. No, he's um, last seen on, on a sort of raft in the middle of the Atlantic I think cool he's gone from the Brecon Beacons to the middle of the Atlantic in just one short week listener Um, (laughs) those waves are pretty strong out there yeah (laughs) indeed Um, so chaps why don't we why don't we start with you guys giving us the rundown about um, you know what it is you guys do um, to paraphrase um, old 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 uh, sort of dating shows tell us who you are and what you do where you come from sure Um, well I wanted to start by saying that we are Delighted, pleased, and excited to be here as your first and possibly last PR guests. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about CC Group. So CC Group is the world's leading provider of end-to-end turnkey PR and marketing solutions. Oh, this is fantastic. In real time, we leverage our clients' unique voices and evergreen content, creating award-winning outreach strategies and innovative marketing journeys. While cloud-centric, we also offer on-premise support. <laughs> Going forward, what makes us truly special is our unique blend of cleverage, collaboration and creativity addressing our partners' real business needs. And while we try not to take ourselves too seriously, it's worth mentioning that we are simultaneously 5G-ready, future-proof and fully backwards compatible. <laughs> now, what I, the f*** did any of that mean? <laughs> well, as a, as a long-time listener to the pod, I felt it appropriate to load uh, a seemingly innocuous uh, no. sentence with far too many buzzwords uh, for, for, for well, human consumption. And that was and that was perfect, and it perfectly sets the platform for for an extended rant about the nature of the, <laughs> <laughs> the nature of the emails that we receive every day, and do, so on. Do you know, what? I think I've been a journalist too long already because all I heard is CC Group is. Charlie Brown esque. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we should say we're excited about it as well. Oh, yeah, sorry. Super yeah. excited. Also Super excited. excited. Yeah. 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 And pleased. Yeah, I'm absolutely. delighted. I can tell you are because you're sort of jumping around the room like puppies. <laughs> <laughs> we don't get out much. <laughs> Um, so this week then, um, with with our guests in mind, we're going to be talking about sort of the role of communications in, in the technology sector, in the telecom mm-hmm. sector. We're going to look at a couple of examples of sort of communications blunders this week, I suppose we could say. Um, but, but how we, many you can find. It's really not hard to find them, actually. It's really, really not too tricky. Um, but why don't, why, don't we, why don't we just kick off with some of the stuff that happened over the course of the last week then. Um, and... Uh, and let's begin with, with what Europe did um, during the week. So, Scott, you wrote this up. You couldn't help but take the piss. Um, yeah. Why don't we see what, well, I, what Juncker and co did? So they got, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of put my cards on the table here. I'm sort of slightly antagonistic <laughs> to Europe in general. 
not not so you're at the continent, you know, I like sort of camembert and Chianti and that sort of thing. Yeah. He doesn't. Um, well, quite. Mm. Uh, I mean, the, the bureaucratic institution, I just think it's, I think it's a bit bloated, it's a bit self-important, it's a bit unaccountable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was quite happy I voted out on the Brexit thing, I don't mind saying it. All right, let the abuse start now. Yeah, yeah I know. Ooh. Have you got um, Union Jack socks on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but yes, you know, you mentioned it wasn't out of some sort of goose-stepping nationalism. <laughs> it was just I just thought they needed a bit of a wake-up call. Um, and now we've got this guy who's in charge of it called Juncker, and he does a thing. I, I think he's borrowed from the US. He calls it State of the Union. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it's always like look at the state of that union. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, and he stands up and, and says, this is all the stuff that's going on. And to be fair, there was a bit of humility there, but yeah, it is in a bit of a state, to be honest, he said. But well, it, though, that, there's a sort of comms thing, and it'd be interesting to know what, what you professional comms people think. He started off with all this humility, all this, yes, yes, we, we've got a lot of work to do, but then basically went, the way we're going to make things better is just by doing more of what we've always done. That's a great uh, solution. Yeah. But it was it was so thinly guised as well, though. It was like, people want action. They want progress now. They don't want to wait around for us to fulfil yeah. these promises in years to come. Well, so that's money, why we're money promising. talks. I mean, you know, 120 million euros to cover Europe in free Wi-Fi. Yeah. I mean, that's one hell of a statement. I think <laughs> uh, I think somebody somewhere said, oh, I think it was on the tweets that uh, you wrote up, Tim, yeah. um, that won't cover Luxembourg. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. What about the rest about of it? And yeah. 10 million per country, <laughs> yeah. about sort of tuppence halfpenny per individual. Oh, and no, <laughs> yeah. run, no running costs covered either. Because, yeah, yeah. You know, these things run themselves you on your free. Own. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Perfectly, perfectly. Well, and, and you know, the other thing is, I think you were just leading up to, Tim, is, is that, you know, they go, right, you know, time's of the essence. Uh, we got to get all this done yesterday. So we're going to schedule a meeting in a year's time to have a chat about definitely getting our act together. And we'll do a white stage. paper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they're, um, they're quick, says, aren't they? Maybe they could do an e-book instead because they're a little bit shorter and faster to get out. <laughs> quite, quite possibly, yeah. <laughs> and nice and ill-defined, which is the way they like it. Mm. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, so yes, yeah, so so he had his State of the Union. I think the biggest the biggest sort of headline stats from that were sort of minimum requirements for sort of five G coverage and and, mm-hmm. and sort of gigabit per second. Um, and those were non-binding, so they were just sort of nice to haves, right? Or suggestions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a couple of suggestions, and then a really sort of non-committal, you know, throw a few pennies in the world to cover Wi-Fi. Yeah. Um, or cover the, the continent in Wi-Fi. Um, but yeah, so it didn't turn out to be a very good day for Juncker. Um, <laughs> he, he, did, he had a bit of a rough time of it over, that, over the course of that week. So after the State of the Union address, in which he promised they'd do something at some point, um, something vaguely tangible. Um, but non-binding. But non-binding, <laughs> of course. Um, he then was basically sort of having a bit of a, bit of a spat with his predecessor, uh, Barroso, is it? Barroso? Yeah. Yeah, Jose Manuel Barroso basically accused him of discriminating against him. Yeah, because because he's somehow, by a bizarre coincidence, gone from being the head of a big bureaucracy to being a chief lobbyist at Goldman Sachs. It's funny how (laughs) these things work, isn't it? (laughs) It's weird. So, so yeah, and then Juncker went, well, this isn't very good. We can't be having that. And so basically... Basically said that he's going to open up an ethics probe into, Mm -hmm. into his conduct. And then Barroso said... I don't like you questioning me. Um, yeah, yeah, and you can imagine he's sort of going, he's going, mate. You know, yeah. we've been, how many times have we had big lunches and agreed to scratch each other's back? What's going on here? Yeah, this is not the gig. Well, Juncker <laughs> isn't joining Goldman Sachs anytime soon, then, is he? I guess not. No, no he'll have to settle so. for Morgan Stanley or something. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So it's a, something that's going to end up in even more EU bureaucracy. Then, no doubt, ending up at the European Court of Human Rights, yeah. talking about Juncker's overall approach to 
life in general, Stuff. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Mm. but it's not. It's going to be non-binding. Right. Well, <laughs> EU taking out shotgun, loading it, and pointing it square at foot strikes. There we go. <laughs> but it's all right because it'll be out by the time they've published their white paper. To me, it? be, uh, <laughs> the EU's got a lot less interesting. And I know it's, it's slightly different. Do you remember back in the day when the European Commission used to kind of decide they had a big idea for wanting to transform, you know, the telecoms industry? It just mm-hmm. involved people getting on stage. Do you remember Vivian Reading back in the day coming up on stage at Mobile World Congress and deciding that no, you can't charge a fortune for roaming fees anymore? And all of a sudden, something happened. And I just wonder, yeah. have they achieved well, anything since out, then? Fair, oh yeah, well, it was great. Pants away. All, all of a sudden. A thing did eventually exactly. happen. Exactly. Well, I think that's probably the last thing that the European Commission ever achieved, wasn't it? Other than tie themselves in knots over spectrum and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just... Well, I miss they, those days. They managed yeah. to sort of prevent um, very useful industry consolidation as well. Um, because if you consider it now, you've got sort of, you know, you've got E and BT, which were al- allowed to sort of come together um, as one, as it were, because... One happened to be a mobile operator and yeah. the other happened to be a fixed line operator without anybody at the EU or Ofcom, it would appear, joining the dots between, oh, actually, in a 5G world, that's going to be kind of helpful. Yeah. So now you've got sort of you know, a diminishing pool of people who can actually compete. Um, so are we saying they did a fantastic job of getting in the way without actually doing anything? Well, I think yeah. you're leading up to uh, 3 and 02, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, which sort of seemed you know, a very sensible thing to do from a uh, from an investment perspective, um, from a customer service perspective. And, you know, I've always been fairly pro-competition. I've always considered myself liberal, but as you age, as you mm. know, you know, knocking 40 now, I've become conservative very soon. Well, and you've got your own business, you're, you're going to be in favour <laughs> exactly, of you know. being allowed to go about your business. <laughs> you? would, would be nice. Uh, <laughs> would be nice. Um, but yeah, no, I just sort of think the, um, the the regulation, quote-unquote, of um, of the telecoms market in Europe in particular has done more to sort of depress progress than it has mm. to encourage progress, and I think the same could be said, you know, certainly across the last 10, 15 years, if not further so yeah promising mm. to do more of the same albeit more slowly with less binding targets um, is a bit of a PR own goal but not as much as opening up to the world ask Juncker which yeah. frankly oh, yes. as soon as you start asking the public let's not forget the Boaty McBoatface disaster quite you know don't ask. Don't ask things like that. Yeah. It's silly. Yeah. As you say, Twitter turns really, really quickly. Twitter did what Twitter does, and that yeah. is abuse. Yeah, Twitter does abuse very well. It does. And At you know, scale. The first part I wrote. I wrote in this article to help manage his rep after, and we'll come on to the other things that he needed to manage his rep for. Just, just briefly in a second. <laughs> um, they, I realised that his that his profile is called hashtag Team Yunker EU. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so as as Rich rightly said, they uh, they forced this trend hashtag Ask Yunker on the internet, yeah. and the internet went. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait. I don't think so. All right, All right John Claude, you want to yeah. play it that way, dude? <laughs> yeah, crack knuckles. <laughs> see what happens, shall we? You brought this on yourself, um, my friend. And I've got some of the best the best tweets here. You know, some of them were some of them were clever. Some of them were just downright offensive. Some of them were just saying things that I shouldn't say on air. <laughs> um, but then some of them are also really quite funny. Uh, so we all know about the various sort of expenses, claims. We could take claims in many ways. Um, but um, one of the funniest tweets that I saw was, hashtag Ask Yunker. If one first-class gravy train leaves Brussels at 9am at 80 miles an hour 
and another leaves Strasbourg at 11 a.m. at 60 miles an hour. Who claims the most expenses? (laughs) (laughs) And then... uh... And then on top of that, there was a story doing the rounds, which I thought it was sort of well written. They said uh, Juncker defends himself from claims of alcoholism over a four glass of champagne lunch. Yeah. Must have uh, been a quiet one. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of just like, ah, oh, it's not a problem. Yeah. I don't mind having a drink. Well, he probably thinks it's not a problem because everyone else at the EU is getting pissed every lunchtime as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Why me? <laughs> <laughs> I think a Look bit... at Dave, he's way worse. It's <laughs> a bit of a glass houses situation going on here, isn't there? I think we all suppress alcoholism beautifully, you know, and if Juncker can do it, then good luck to him. Yeah. <laughs> we can all learn <laughs> a thing or two. And I stress there was no judgment about alcoholism. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Allegedly. Uh, so yeah, so it's a pretty pretty tough gig for him uh, over the last week or so. Why don't we um, just move on to other sort of um, humorous communications exercises over the last week or so. We've covered it enough over the yeah. last couple of podcasts. But this exploding iPhone, sorry, right. exploding Samsung um, yeah. Galaxy Note 7. Sorry, excuse me, iPhone fans, <laughs> excuse me, um, Samsung fans. Um, yeah, me, Samsung has just been going into absolute meltdown <laughs> <laughs> uh, over this one. And, uh, and it's just been every day a new solution, yeah. trying to find a new solution just to get people to stop using the bloody phone. Yeah. It's well, melting in their hands. Well, now they got now they got the new improved non-melty phone, and they're signifying the battery's fine with a green battery icon. Right. Uh, what they haven't said, which they should do, is for the old phones they should have like a skull and crossbones <laughs> or <laughs> mushroom cloud or something like that. Um, but yeah, this is their way. You know, obviously, when you get a big cock up like this at the manufacturing level, it should be all hands to the pump. And I'll certainly hand this over to to the PR guys to. To know to sort of pick their brains as to what they might do if they're in that situation, but I think in hindsight, just an outright recall. Okay, yeah, it's yeah. all gone peak tong. We're starting again. We're going to take a hit and all that sort of thing. What what tends to go a bit wrong, and I think they did slightly wrong. They didn't do it that badly, but it's slightly wrong. Was this sort of more incremental? Yeah, we're definitely working on it. Maybe just leave it in the fridge or something like that. <laughs> um, and, and then only finally it about sixty five percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only charge it to sixty five percent. Well, because they started off with the just turn off, turn off the phone. Don't use the phone if it's blowing up. Don't use it. Obviously, don't use it mid-blowing up. <laughs> That's not the point. Also, don't turn it off mid-blowing up. You'll burn your hands. Yeah, but, well, exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, I also suggest is, if, it's, if it's a phone that blows up, it's not something that can be fixed by your standard software update, is well, it? Well, I mean, exactly. But their I mean, yeah. update was to make it only charge maximum 65%, right, because they concluded okay. it's that last, last 35% where it goes mental. Yeah, because we all know, as smartphone owners, that the, you know, the battery power is by no means the biggest frustration. You know? So I'm sure that'll go down well with all of the uh, consumers well, that have paid an awful lot of money for I think it is probably not the biggest frustration when the phone's melting <laughs> in your hands. Yeah. Oh yeah, and there was the guy who did tweet and, and sent out a little sort of public notification that he left his phone plugged plugged into his car, his his Jeep, and it went up in flames. The whole you know, thing. Yeah. You're not curious what he took the photo with. Good point. Because if his phone was <laughs> on fire, then I don't know. Maybe a bit too convenient. Other smartphones um, are available. Right? <laughs> Apparently yeah. so. Yeah. Um, although, can you imagine like going into a meeting nowadays in, in telecoms with a with a Note Seven and just putting it on the table? It's gonna blow. You really? Oh, I had meetings yeah, no, like and, that last and, week. And, uh, <laughs> and just nonchalantly 
ch- put in the charger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just go, right, guys, I estimate we got 10 minutes to conclude this meeting. No, they should have pulled, pulled the whole lot. Like, yeah. you can't come back from something like that. You know, the only no. thing you can do is behave responsibly and ethically, and that means to pull the whole bloody lot. Yeah. And, yeah, sure, the comms around that is very simple. I'm very sorry. Mm-hmm. This phone clearly has problems. It blows up. We're pulling them all off the market. We'll get back to you when we've fixed all of the hardware problems. The longer the dithering goes on, the more damages, you know, the yeah. more the damage escalates, oh, exactly. right? I mean, they're starting from a very, very weak position, but they're all, they're just slowly hanging themselves yeah, the longer it takes to get, them off, the, to get them off the shelves, yeah. you know? Get so them back. Do. Remember when we were... So I studied PR at uni. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes I did. Um, and now you go back and tell them about it, don't I you? I do, yeah, 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 occasionally when they have me. Um, but I, uh, we, we were when we were sort of young, impressionable undergrads uh, in the final year, we had a guy come in from a... Uh, let's call him an auto manufacturer, a car, a car maker, um, who basically came in to talk to us about crisis communications and uh, they'd had some problems with seat belts in this in this mm-hmm. new model so rather than do a full recall they simply positioned it as an upgrade um, right. to the uh, to, to the um, you know to the car itself from a seatbelt that doesn't from, work from a seatbelt that doesn't that does work, work to one that does work <laughs> um, we treat you good cheeky in it well and so the guy sort of stood back in front of you know 60 odd PR people and went what do you think and just got hammered I mean the concept you know the problem is when you're at uni you're sort of still taught ethics every term yeah. and the application of ethics yeah. and things like that yeah. and so yeah we just totally ripped this guy apart um, and he never came back down <laughs> so uh, yeah <laughs> Be careful what happens at Bournemouth University. Does that mean we get gradually less ethical the older we get? How dare you? (laughs) Well, it's an interesting point. I was never ethical to start with. (laughs) (laughs) Ethics is very much a shifting goalpost, as far as we're concerned. Something other people do. (laughs) Uh, Okay, one of the other final sort of comms pieces was, uh, was Apple which was asked about its sort of iPhone 7 pre-order numbers and basically said, how dare you question us? We're not going to tell you anything ever again because they said we don't need to tell you anything anymore. Yeah. Uh, our, our only issues will arise with our supply chain. It's basically what they said. We know it's going to sell yet, out. Coincidentally, and this is, this is where you get into slightly darker art of comms, and I will, after this I'll, I want to sort of steer it onto what the guys do for, to pay the bills. <laughs> Um, it, it, which isn't necessarily a darker art of comms. Forgive <laughs> <laughs> the inference. Um, is... Apple said they're not going to say anything, and yet suddenly, coincidentally, loads of its operator partners suddenly came out saying, oh, my God, we've sold out so quickly, we just, mm. you know, just can't stock them quickly enough. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, someone behind the scenes at Apple's had a word with, you know, their various, especially U.S. Mm-hmm. operator partners and gone, look, if, if you could send out these effusive tweets, yeah. we'd be much obliged. And, of course, of course they have. So I, I reckon, yeah, I've got no proof of that. That's what I reckon. Well, specifically, uh, our favourite telecom CEO, Yay. John Leger, he's back again. He, uh, he couldn't help but say, Apple iPhone 7 beat iPhone 6's pre-order numbers. And, oh, by the way, we're having an amazing quarter. <laughs> we're having the best quarter ever of all quarters. It's the quarter to end all quarters. I'm going to stop saying quarter. Um, <laughs> We've got to have one then, overstated word per episode. Yeah, what was it? Leak. A couple of weeks ago. Excited. Ex- uh, yeah. Uh, yeah we're quarter. Quarter's not so fun. Not so emotive. No, it's one of those words that if you say it long enough, though, it starts to be meaningless. Okay. Completely meaningless. Fair enough. Well, you, we won't, you, we won't you try it on start. it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and he sort of took to Periscope, which is that sort of video selfie live streaming narcissism yeah. enabling platform. Um, <laughs> which designed for him. Which is, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you took the words How right out of my mouth. <laughs> and um, and um, 
And and so yeah, so basically, um, Leger took to this platform and and couldn't help but shout about how well um, how well um, T-Mobile is doing at the moment as a result of iPhone Seven. So so yeah, so it was quite interesting sort of communications from Apple to to scream, "Don't question us," and then give everyone the news anyway. So to your point about you know did was there a conversation in the background between apple and um and the operators my sense is probably not uh-huh. um and my sense is probably not because apple doesn't really talk to anybody uh, <laughs> not least not least the operators but if you think about it from a news perspective all of a sudden apple has created this vacuum. sort of false vacuum yeah, yeah. and so the first thing you're going to do if especially if you're sort of legere oriented or whatever it is or yeah. at&t trying to recover from their um, total cock up um, yeah, yeah, the other week PR, from, yeah. uh, mm. from from you know, you know oh never mind Google tap tap on yes, head so it's, it's hard isn't it it's really hard being a <laughs> yeah. telco maybe go home and leave it to the big boys yeah. um, but also stay out of our way <laughs> yeah whatever happens <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah I just think that sort of you know it's created a false vacuum that vacuum can be filled by only one person unless you're looking at someone like the analyst Aret, who are looking at sort of shipment of the individual parts and things like that, which is quite a oh, useful okay. back end way of figuring out yeah. how these know how the numbers are stacking up. But I mean, as you, I think you said in your in your piece, um, you know, if you've sold out of pre order, well, how many did you have? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So just have a have have the amount that you think you'll sell yeah, out, yeah. and then you've automatically sold out, and you create a false demand there we go. Um, yeah. as well. So I mean, it's quite interesting, um, and you know, no one will ever know. So before we go to a quick break, then uh, we're running up to time. Um, biggest comms win I think of the week was Three UK. Oh yes, had an absolutely fantastic advert they ran with yeah. Game of Thrones star Maisie Williams. So why yeah. don't you? Why yeah, don't you I just, tell us I what just spotted that. that. So, so uh, we've all seen them on TV. The ads that could be for cosmetics, could be for shampoo, definitely female oriented, and they normally feature some sort of impossibly beautiful person trying to act all natural. But obviously, you know, that all the camera angles are edgy and everything's shot incredibly professionally and there's nothing natural about it at all. Yeah. And and Maisie Williams, who plays Arya in Game of Thrones, came on and she was uh, being all sort of fanning her face and being all starlety about it, which is actually sending it all up. Um, and the uh, the premise was three saying that... that there's a, a war on black spots, which by right. which they meant coverage black spots, but of course there's a double meaning for sort of zits or whatever. Uh, hence the sort of cosmetics angle. Sure. And yeah, I just thought from a comms point of view, there's three, you know, just before they'd had a bit of a humourless moan, which they always do, about how they're not getting enough help from Ofcom and, and it's all terribly unfair that he's so big and all yeah, that yeah. sort of thing. Uh, and then they just commissioned this and stuck it out there just as a viral. Um, and I think that's a good way of going about it. That made, totally, me, that made yeah. me warm to them a hell of a lot more than anything else they've done for oh, a while. Certainly, it's a bit more on brand than we've seen for a while. By um, on brand, you mean? So, so in terms of you know, I like I like three as this sort of upstart, this sort of troublemaker, this sort uh-huh. of you know, we're not the same as Big Red or yeah. O2 or whoever. Yeah. Um, I thought the way they went about it and sort of very being very self-ironic and self-effacing was just much more horrible, horrible term. I'd like to apologise in advance <laughs> for using it. Authentic. Uh, um, oh, that's all right. That's, I, was, I was fearing well, worse. Yeah, yeah, right. No, in in, in our game, the word authentic yeah. is about the most overused. Oh, really? There is at the moment. Well, we're, yeah, we're definitely going to come on to that. On yeah, the, we, the we break. will come to authenticity. <laughs> but I just think sort of you know something that was much more straightforward. It wasn't full of buzzwords or sort of like happy people trying to sell products or whatever yeah. it was. It was just brilliantly done, very well executed, and well, they were seems just, to have done very well. They were more than happy just to take the piss. I think one of the yeah. lines is, "Aged eleven, Maisie still didn't have a job yeah. <laughs> or a stylist." <laughs> 
or a stylist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah, well done to three. That was that was really great. That made that made one of our highlights of the week, I suppose you say. We're going to be back right after this quick break. We'll carry on this discussion and bring you a lot more news from uh, the week that's just been. So stick with us. We know you love us here at A Week in Wireless, so why don't you follow us on Twitter? Tweet us using the hashtag AWIW. Let us know what you think, and we'll tell you what we think of you on next week's episode. Okay, I said we'd be back, and we're definitely back. So welcome back to A Week in Wireless, the podcast brought to you by telecoms.com. Before the break, we spoke in detail about sort of comms in telecoms, putting the comms in telecoms, I suppose you'd say. Uh, And now in part two, we're going to do more of the same. Excellent. So, um, Scott, you've, you've got <laughs> some to thoughts. Keep you on your toes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scott, yeah, well, I got as, as a sort of uh, as a rant I've got. Anyone who's had the misfortune of sharing more than a pint with me has probably been a recipient of this rant over the years. Um, but it's to do with what we do as a day job. It's less of a telecoms thing, more as our, our job as journalists. Um, uh, their job is PRs. Uh, the the people who pay the bills, i.e., the the advertisers. There's there's this sort of three way relationship mm-hmm. um, and yeah I just I just I found over the years that I've been a journalist that it's sort of slightly declining in terms of how the paradigm works whether it's functional or not there are less journalists and the reason there are less journalists because there's less money coming into media sure um, and that's not a fault of PRs PRs such as such as these two do Hi. an excellent job of working <laughs> out how to speak to journalists how to when to interact with us yeah. what pitch to do but they are also in a minority. And the majority of PR um, contact we get is quite indiscriminate, quite spammy, full of all these lovely buzzwords that we explored earlier on and then some. Um, and you know, and I and I feel to some extent for those people trying to get in touch, they're often very young people who've been given uh, what is tantamount to a cold calling job and a simple script, and they just say, look, ring this person up and read out the press release and don't be surprised if they if you don't get anything from it. <laughs> so it's very processive, very imprecise, um, and I just don't think it's benefiting anyone. It's not benefiting us. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's benefiting the clients of the PR agencies, which is why I believe people like Rich and Paul resist that approach. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't necessarily have... I mean, the ultimate solution is for CMOs, people like Mary, who we've had on the show, yeah, to reward proper PR and to reward proper journalism. And I think that's where it goes really wrong. If people, I'm not even saying telecoms.com is necessarily it, that's for other people to judge. But if companies like a website, then they've got to contribute to keeping it going or it will just disappear. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's that's the, my potted rant. I can go on at far greater length. But I just wanted to, uh, yeah, so I mean, just, you know, get get the sort of PR perspective on that. Do you think uh, it's a viable rant? Do you think I'm miles off? I I think you're absolutely, I think you're absolutely right. Um, You know, we were talking about this the other day. I mean, the reason we exist um, is that, you know, not to do all of the world leading this, that and the other. Um, Mm -hmm. It's to help companies build awareness amongst their target audiences. It's to generate sales leads or change audience opinions. Or it's to put themselves in the shop window for investment or acquisition. They're basically the three things that we help companies do. And one of the really big sort of channels for that 
quote unquote, is the media, but also analysts and bloggers and consultants yeah. and trade associations yeah, yeah. and speaker managers, etc., etc. Influencers, et influencers, quote unquote. But if you consider your situation, you know, you'll receive what a hundred odd pitches a day. So that's please write about me because of X, Y, and yeah. Z. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no wonder you're feeling outnumbered. I mean, in the UK alone, there are eighty three thousand PR people. Right. There are sixty four thousand journalists. So right. That's a, there are thirty percent more PRs <laughs> in the UK than there are journalists wow. in the US. There is one reporter for every five PR people. Wow! No way. One in five, right? So hardcore. If you look about the tech, if you look in the technology space, it'll be a great deal. There'll be more of an imbalance than that. I mean, you think about how many times you know we get like you guys in a room for drinks and what have you, right? And you think of the average size of most agencies and how many of your colleagues you go to press conference, etc. With you know, you've got to be talking about I don't know. Eight, ten to one? Yeah. At least? It feels like it. Absolutely. And I think sort of, you know, there has been, it's been good news, quote unquote, recently because there has been a little bit more sort of acquisition of sort of younger sort of cub reporters into the into right. the industry. Not by any huge amounts. Um, we're not looking, it's, you know, in the sort of late 90s, early 2000s, you know, you had editorial teams of sort of five, six, seven were not unusual. Yeah. And now mm-hmm. two, maybe three, if you're lucky, yeah. is kind of... Uh, we're it's, we're kind of bloated, aren't we, three? Yeah. I know, it's ridiculous. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, it's all that output. Um, but I mean, yeah, if you consider that, that situation, then what tends to happen, especially in, and this isn't like a AT&T to sort of Google comment, but tech PR and telecoms in particular is really hard. Mm. You know, it, it's sure. difficult to actually understand the technology because you have to understand yeah. it before you pick up the phone. You're telling me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But I mean, you know, we or grew not, up, apparently. Yeah. We could just give everybody a script instead. Yeah, well, there absolutely. is that. Well, and, <laughs> so, that. and so that's what ends up happening. And, um, you know, I was saying the other day, there's, there was a rumour about five years ago that one of the really big agencies um, was looking at opening call centres in India with reasonably tech-savvy people to pitch um, tech stories, which it doesn't matter whether or not it happened. I don't think it did. But the very fact that anybody thinks it can happen is worrying. Well, and it gives you a sense that sort of actually when you're looking at sort of some of the... And we've talked at length about sort of which agencies you like and which agencies um, you you sort of don't or don't really hear from or don't recognise. And it's that difference. You've actually got to train people before they're allowed to go on the phone. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if they turn around and ask you a very... If you're asked a very simple question about the story that you're pitching or the technology and how it relates to X, Y and Z, then you need to have an answer for that. And, you know, there's been more surveys done Amongst sort of how PR and journalists um, interact than than any others, and there is there does tend to be a very good relationship between the two. Yeah. Um, but how reliable um, are PR people is open to um, a vast and varied interpretation, um, because yeah. often a lot of the people that end up making those calls, you know, as Paul described it the other day, the charge of the light brigade, the yeah, yeah. smile and dial, the Indeed. send them out into the world, and if you get a hit, fantastic, that's great. If you have two hundred people say no, well, you know, that's and that, just it saddens me. It saddens me for your profession because I, for, in a lot of cases, I see it being de-skilled, hmm. basically getting yeah. graduates yeah. and give them incredibly linear simple sort of monkey level tasks <laughs> uh and you know and that's a shame for them you know these graduates have just spent 21 years and a ton of money 
achieving whatever qualification they've got, and they're given these sort of moronic tasks. I, I just think it's yeah, a real shame. It, it, it does. It doesn't do great things to the culture of the agency either, because you actually just build yeah. a uh, kind of a sweatshop dynamic whereby sure. you know you've got a list of phone numbers, a list of influencers, you've got you know several you know, anodyne stories, and you know there's an expectation that. You know, they will achieve a certain number of numbers because the client is buying into a particular SLA month on month, and all you're doing yeah. is just killing talented people's confidence right from the off. And you know, there's 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 a number of reasons for it. Um, you know, I've seen so many different dynamics over the years. I think the culture of the agency and the expectation that the management team within the agency sets with clients about what constitutes news and what that. isn't so, yeah, is is the one. is the biggest issue for me. We're very lucky because our our clients are all great. They all get it. They all understand what news actually is. And most of them don't really need a huge, an awful lot of direction. But, you know, that's, we've, we've had to kind of kiss a few frogs before, you know, getting mm. to where we're at at the moment. It, sh- it should be noted that Mary, who was on the podcast, is one of your clients as well. She is. Yeah. And, and beat me to this hallowed seat. Yeah, we Outrageous. go. <laughs> she told me to say that about all the clients. <laughs> she didn't really. Not so the she didn't really. bit, I presume. <laughs> Nothing, Mary. <laughs> I think this is a really interesting conversation because I think a lot of the people who would listen to the podcast are people who are invested in the marketing side of telecoms anyway. A lot of our listeners will come from sort of various exercises or various disciplines where they have to work with PR in some way, shape or form. So it is very, very, very relevant to the discussion. I just think I, as, as a guy who is sort of, let's say, sort of about six or seven years into my career, I graduated in the, in the late 2000s. Um, it was fiercely competitive trying to find a job. At that time, I don't know what it was like for you guys when you left uni. Uh, you know, too much has been made over the last sort of seven or eight years about how difficult it is for grads to find work, which means you are willing just to take anything. So there are some employers which, no matter what the role, will take advantage of that and give them the most sort of sort of peanuts yeah. role that they can that they can give them. You know, I started by doing sort of cold calling stuff all day long for weeks and weeks and weeks on end. Um, and I think for a, for a, for a, a fresh grad, it's quite useful if you actually can succeed in that role because it gives you the confidence to be able to Certainly let's say host a podcast yeah. um, but it could also go the other way and knock the confidence out of someone who otherwise could have benefited from a much more hands on personalised approach to the start of their career yeah. which I, I assume is the case with let's say your junior account execs who could come in and really deal with that personal touch as opposed to just well here's a list now get on with it oh, yeah, to an extent yes but I mean nobody comes out of university so if you're if you're <laughs> tends to be the case that if you're good at the PR and the comm side of things mm-hmm. you don't have a particularly deep sort of technical background if you're really sure. good at the deep technical background stuff tends to be that you don't have the sort of comms capabilities to go with it now that's not exclusive but if you look at the people sort of coming out of uni nowadays they tend to have the comms side of things what you're looking for in recruits is somebody who is maybe not sort of you know, able to build their own telecoms network yeah. um though that would be nice we will um, learn that eventually oh, exactly we? exactly you get there in the end it's all ip based now apparently <laughs> um but, but but you know you need to be able to sit them down and teach them and it's really hard you know mm. if you consider that i've been doing this 17 years you've paul's been doing this about 15 um you know first five years you know getting your head around mm. all the acronyms to start with and then actually <laughs> understanding what they mean yeah. and how they interrelate is really really hard so you have to do it at a fairly sort of slow pace um, which can then result in people feeling like they're not getting the opportunity so you've got two approaches number one push them out um, into the uh, in, in, in front of incoming traffic um, yes. or or hold them back at the side of the road on the reins for long enough which is why spending time with journalists not being scared of them you know a lot of these 
people coming through are you know, millennials and are therefore afraid of the phone. Mm. Um, yeah. so, As are journalists, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I don't blame you for not answering well, the phone. Yeah, well, one, one, one of the reasons uh, is the aforementioned spam. Yeah, well, yeah. Th- that's the thing. I mean, the, the, the whole dynamic of getting a story pitched is totally changed. I mean, you're, not, you're, you're, you're in a majority, Scott, because journalists just don't answer their phones anymore. It's because mm. of the situation um, that I suppose the... Uh, poor PR has caused. And it's also worth noting that what PR has also done is make us run over. So let's move on to our to our next uh, topic, shall we? But it was it was good to cover that, actually. It was really nice to have that conversation, something that is important to uh, our jobs, this industry, and, and all of that. So um, thanks very much for, yeah, for contributing to a conversation we don't really have very often on this show. So one of the um, big talking points uh, from last week was Telia having a monumental wrist slapping yep. from um, Uzbekistan. Uh, Scott, you wrote this up. What what happened over there? Okay, so the actual story was uh, they got fined for alleged, the usual alleged couching here. Be nice lawyers. <laughs> um, uh, for alleged corruption in Uzbekistan to the tune of 1.4 billion some currency. Right. Um, and 1.4 uh, billion is still quite a lot, though. Whatever currency. 1.4 billion Lira? things. I don't know. Well, all right. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we're not talking like lira in the old days or something. Like that. Um, and, Do you remember uh, lira? Yes. All right, sorry. I, I said I was born in 1988. Okay, I still right. remember the lira. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. Um, and uh, what, what seems to have happened is uh, back about 10 years ago, Telia um, and also a uh, direct competitor, Nordic competitor, there's uh, Nortel in partnership with Vimpelcom, all decided to get into Uzbekistan. And it seems like a gig then was if you want to do business in Uzbekistan, you've got to pay off the daughter of the then uh, dictator who right. recently died. Um, and so they paid her off, and then there was an investigation, and they and the investigators went, oh, it looks like that's corrupt. And they were like, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Uh, and now they're all getting fined, which 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 seems to be it. And, yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing, the thing I concluded from it is, fair enough, if that was the deal, if the only way to do business in, in Uzbekistan was through corrupt practices, mm-hmm. but then why bother? Why not just not go there? Yeah. Um, and I think what that is symptomatic, and there's another rant which we haven't got time for, of the sort of uh, growth chasing short termism. You know, someone, some senior person there was was given an incentive to increase their P and L by a certain amount that year, yeah. and they saw this as one of the most efficient ways of doing it. So you end up chasing these short term, quarter on quarter, year on year wins, yeah. which lead to sort of long term problems. What do you reckon, guys? It's yeah, that growth fetish is a real problem. Um, and you do have to think, you've got to stop and think, you know, is it worth it? Um, because there's reputational risk, which obviously isn't the same as sort of, you know, quarter on quarter missing your target risk. Yeah. Because if, you know, frankly, you're in one of those positions or you've got shareholders, please, or whatever it is, yeah. it forces you to behave in a relatively unethical um, way. Um, but I think what was particularly striking about this story was that what um, Vimplecom got, you know, got got fined to the tune of 800 odd million yeah. and uh, Telia got um, 1.4 billion yeah. US um, which is an order of magnitude yeah. uh, higher than and their CEO uh, basically went what's that all about yeah. <laughs> like, well the thing is that the CEO didn't even go bit unfair he went oh it is a big fine isn't it <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> which is just quite quite amusing he's not even contesting it yeah. he's like oh that's a lot of money <laughs> Ooh, didn't work out too well it's going to sting <laughs> it didn't work out too well for Nortel either did it I mean, with the benefit of hindsight you know, they were exactly synonymous <laughs> yeah. with great decision making over the years and well there's there's, an, there's another tick in the box there well done lads yeah. pretty much everyone who even went to Uzbekistan <laughs> <laughs> uh, just call or it even knows how to spell it yeah <laughs> 
okay, right. So let's let's move on towards our our sort of long taily pieces. And we've had a couple of a couple of stories here that we're going to look at, which we put up on on telecoms.com this week with a slightly more humorous edge. Um, the first one was was Vodafone New Zealand. Um, following up on the launch of the iPhone 7, um, they they went all um, sort of cat in the hat about it and uh, delivered the new iPhone by drone for Vodafone and something else in there. The headline cool, was good. iPhone flown by Vodafone drone. There you go. And then, oh, thanks and very then you, much. You had some fun with the rhyming. Yeah, I did. I thought, you know, in keeping with a, a slight change in our editorial style, I think you know, we, won't, we won't bang on about it too much, but it's been we'll a let humorous other people shift. bang on about it. Yeah. <laughs> Prod hint. <coughs> well, I think it's worth asking what's prompted the change. Or they, I, think, I think I can probably guess. Okay, what's your guess? Well, I'm guessing that... Um, Mr. Saunders and his light reading empire have had right. some influence yeah, over you you're, guys. You're barking up the right tree. Yeah, well, I think it's a, it's a welcome thing. I mean, all I would say is be warned of <laughs> where it could end up. I mean, have you seen what Ray Lemaitre's turned into these days? <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Ray. Love you. <laughs> uh, yeah, quite. But I mean, it's, it's been a refreshing sort of change for us. We get to have a bit of fun. We get to sort yeah. of sharpen our claws a bit when we're writing our stories or just get a bit creative. Yeah, so to sort of formalise um, it, we're basically encouraged to write slightly more irreverent uh, stories. This still got to be accurate they've still got to be to do with telecoms largely yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but just to try and make them I guess a bit more entertaining which is an interesting balance you know when you're writing about sort of beamforming and sort of massive MIMO and that sort of thing <laughs> oh massive MIMO yeah. <laughs> just look at the size of that MIMO <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not you know the, the, the humorous angle isn't always obvious no, so it's a bit apart, of a apart from the apart from double entendres mimo, yeah. of massive yes. mimo. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so we did. I did this piece, um, and I'm going to recite a little bit for you guys. You've got to do it, and for you, dear listener, if you haven't seen the article, I'll, I'll just read it out here. Um, in what sounds like an extract from Dr. Seuss's "The Cat in the Hat," the new iPhone has been flown by drone for Vodafone. It was in New Zealand, but we couldn't make that rhyme. <laughs> it's not many things rhyme with New Zealand. Uh, <laughs> So a tailor-made drone left Vodafone's place with the brand new iPhone secured to its base. It flew round the viaducts to the Hilton Hotel, kept safe all the while in its sturdy red shell. The first person to pre-order was the lucky winner, with a shiny new iPhone arriving in time for dinner. It was so crazy to be one of the first people to actually have the iPhone 7 in my hands, said winner Irene Hu. She said it was really cool to see the drone too. We love it when our, tech, uh, when our customers get excited about new technology, said Vodafone's Matt Williams, using marketing technology terminology. Uh, yeah, you know what? This rhyming thing's getting quite boring. <laughs> Starting to feel like simple blitz story. But if you just did one story a week like that, I mean, There's about four or five couplets there. <laughs> the thing is, they've got to present themselves. You can't go forcing it in, every, in everything. That, yeah. that was too easy not to. With, if, it wasn't, if it was any other operator than Vodafone, we couldn't have done it. But it was too easy. Um, so, yeah, so that was a bit of fun. Um, and apologies for my god-awful accent there, guys. Um, <laughs> sort of generic antipodean, it'll do. Yeah, close enough, isn't it? Um, <laughs> um, allegedly. <laughs> I just, I just, I've just thought of an opportunity for a Partridge reference. Uh-huh. I think, well, description of that, I would describe it as lovely stuff. Lovely not, stuff. Not my words, the words of Shaking Stevens. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> um, Right, so final story of this week was um, sort of free Wi-Fi backfiring for the city of New York. Yeah. Uh, another creative headline, uh, which was <laughs> junkies, vagrants and porn addicts hijack New York's free Wi-Fi. Well, there's, do you know what, and from an editor's point of view, there's another example of if the dial gets moved from necessarily focusing on um, straight reporting to finding the entertaining angle, sometimes you'll pick different stories. <laughs> 
Now, yeah, the fact that there's some free Wi-Fi in New York, which is inevitably being used by some of the people who walk the streets of New York mm -hmm. for their own purposes, is by itself perhaps not the biggest news story in the world, but it's bloody amusing. Oh, so, really? oh yeah, totally. Uh, I, I mean, the, the premise of it is, is it's a great sort of initiative. It's a great prep. Free phone charging, free Wi-Fi, all that sort of stuff. Free calling as well, so you can you can get in touch with people and whatever. But then um, when they're used for sort of Netflix and chill by vagrants, drug addicts, and mm, uh, mm, other mm. ne'er-do-wells. And but I porn think lovers everywhere. Porn, lo and porn lovers mm. everywhere. Um, or more specifically, in New York. Yes. <laughs> um, no, no, <laughs> people are flying in. Unsecured Wi-Fi! Off we go. But I mean, uh, you know, to the, to the point in the article... Are there not filters you can get and exactly. maybe sort of apply how, to how sort did of they this not think kind of, this? of technology? It, it's utterly bizarre. Yeah. Um, but you know, maybe it was uh, to get a a big sort of uh, bump or spike in users. Um, maybe, on. yeah. But you know, as they say, give them an inch and they'll take them. <laughs> <laughs> you've got, to, you've got to laugh. I mean, they're clearly set up with the best of intentions, but uh, yeah, human nature is to Don't take the piss wherever it can. Yeah. You know, oh, absolutely. Get yeah. away yeah. with what it can, and well, as Juncker found out, as <laughs> yeah, indeed, yeah. Um, but yeah, so basically, yeah, the whole premise of this story is that people were just pulling up furniture and, and parking up all day long <laughs> to watch Netflix on these things. And Excellent. sticking the music really loud, and you know, doing all other just kind of little internet party. things. Yeah, um, and yeah, so it just it just made me laugh, and I just I couldn't help but 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 go with the sort of first line in my in my in my uh, my article, which is give them an inch and they'll take a mile. But in this case, it's <laughs> give them free Wi-Fi and they'll watch porn literally anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it is it more undetectable? Is there some sort of IP address that hide thing that your people just can get away with more on a on a public Wi-Fi? No, network? I just don't think they. I don't think the users cared. Firstly, yeah. and I don't think the the city of New York or whoever runs the initiative, Link NYC, I think it's called, right. uh, thought yeah. far enough ahead to put mm. porn filters on. They underestimated the sheer appetite for porn. <laughs> 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 Just this insatiable. I must, I must watch porn right now. Wasn't that uh, the main use case for three G? I haven't seen much on the uh, sort of you know I haven't seen much on the sort of porn based five G uh, use case yet. But no, you know, well, I'm sure porn is five G ready. Four K, four K porn, isn't it? 4K 3D <laughs> yeah, yeah. VR right, I'm, porn. I'm, do you know what? I'm calling this. I'm, I'm, leave, I'm leaving this discussion on the street where it belongs and we can, <laughs> we can, and we can walk away from this conversation. Uh, but yeah, so uh, thanks very much indeed to, to all you guys for, for coming in today and, and, and joining us for this episode. Uh, if you've got any thoughts, dear listener, uh, tweet us using uh, the hashtag AWIW. Share us your thoughts on if it's anything to do with the European Union, anything to do with corruption in Uzbekistan, or anything to do with free porn in New York, uh, drop us a line and, uh, and, and we'll share your thoughts on next week's show. So that's it from me, Tim Skinner. Say goodbye, Scott Pacino. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Richard Fogg. Goodbye. And say goodbye, Paul Nolan. Bye. And it's goodbye from producer Brad. Bye, Brad. See you next week, gang. Thanks very much for joining us. This has been A Week in Wireless, the podcast brought to you by telecoms.com, covering everything and anything in the telecoms industry. If you want to join the argument, tweet us at telecoms. Share your thoughts. We'll see you again next week. Same place, same time, same people, but even better.